Googs House. All right, in today's football-focused episode, we're going to talk some about Cliff Kingsbury being back on the market. Would we take him back at the U of H Plus? I know it's hard to say after TCU just got throttled in the national championship game, but did they kind of lay a groundwork outline for what the Cougars can do as they enter the Big 12? Let's get to it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Anthers, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan, just a hater can stop by. Please be sure to subscribe down below. Uh, that way we can be in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to YouTube channel. It's good to see you all again. Uh, I am wearing my Marcus Sasser t-shirt because we got confirmation that uh, our 250 subscriber winner right when we got there we gave a t-shirt to a, a, a subscriber that was commenting often anthony and his son got t-shirt shout out to anthony and his son um they got the marcus sasser vintage t-shirt that i've got on right now um a- anthony first asked he said hey i want when i said he'd won he said can i get one for my son i was like well you can get one for the both of you we can do that so thank you for subscribing listening anthony go kooks tell your son we said go kooks a great place to go to school one day uh, at 500 subscribers, we're going to do some sort of a giveaway package with Sparkle as they are sitting behind us uh, to get there. We have to a get to 500 subscribers, so you have to subscribe below, help us get there, and you have to be commenting on videos. So uh, tell us in the comments if you can't think of anything to say after listening to some t- football talk today, whether or not you think Cheez Its are crackers or chips. All right. So today's episode, we're going to look some at football across the board, kind of a day between basketball games, and they're going to have a couple more days between basketball games under this week too. Um, and so in doing that, uh, first got some big news for a former Cougar coach, um, and then some news for the program as a whole. Our first segment is going to be looking at should Cliff Kingsbury come back and coach the Cougars in some form or fashion? Uh, and then our second segment, kind of like dive into what that might look like a little bit, but also kind of look at the TCU Horn Frog success this season and the program they've built and kind of how that would work for the U of H. And then our last segment, look at like similarities and deep differences between the program TCU is built and kind of where Houston is in that and like how the things are builds are a little bit different. Um, but first, the big news of the day is that uh, Cliff Kingsbury is out in Arizona. Cliff, you'll remember, uh, came to the U of H after having been uh, initially coached at Tech by Dana Holgerson. And Holgerson came through in that like 08 to, to whatever that was run around 08. He, he in 08 he hired Kingsbury to come on as like a quality control guy. Worked with some wideouts, worked with some quarterbacks, etc. Um, and then when Dana, they worked together then. And then when Dana went on and got his own head coaching gig, uh, Sumlin promoted Kingsbury to be the OC in Houston uh, for the 2011 season, in which Kingsbury won offensive play caller of the year um houston that season did average 49.3 points and 599 yards of offense legitimate video game numbers in real life had this guy named you know case keenan throwing the ball around he's kind of important um sumlin and kingsbury sumlin went to AM, took kingsbury with him and then uh, a couple years later kingsbury actually got to go head coach at texas tech his alma mater again where dana coached him the first time Spent some time at Tech, 
coached a kid named Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes would then go on to obviously be the Patrick Mahomes y'all know and love, like the next Michael Jordan of football, potentially whatever, right? Um, Kingsbury then got to go uh, from college football. Initially, he was going to end up at USC, but then ended up in Arizona coaching the Arizona Cardinals, got Kyler Murray, things went south in Arizona. They paid Kyle a lot of money. Cliff is the odd man out. I posed a question on Twitter, and frankly, the more I think about it, the more interesting I think it is. Would you bring Cliff Kingsbury back in some sort of a assistant coaching role? I'm not sure you're going to dump Dana for him to be a head coach because of the limited success Cliff Kingsbury's had as a head coach. And frankly, Dana has brought in great recruiting classes and had that 12-2 and two season a year ago, right? Um, and so I'm not sure that's quite the move yet either. But would you, as a fan of the Houston Cougars, or if you're more than a fan, make sure you chime that in as well. But tell us in the comments below if you think you'd bring in Cliff Kingsbury to do something on the staff. I think what's interesting here is the constant comment back and forth I was having with people. Had a couple DMs and a couple people in the actual thread, and then a few people on Facebook all talking about like, well, he'd have to just be the OC. And I think what's interesting there is like, I guess when I posed the question, I hadn't thought about like, oh, if he was just the OC, there's kind of limited damage in the negative side of things he would do, right? Like in at Texas Tech in Lubbock, there was like zero defense being played. But if he's the OC, that's not really up to him anyway, right? When he was at Texas Tech, like there were kind of questions in how the program was being run from a disciplinary standpoint. And that might have been part of the reasons that like you have a guy Patrick Holmes, but can't quite win close games and stuff like that. Um, again, when he's the OC, that's not quite up to him not that dana is great with all those things either i think dana has pros and cons but that's not up to him in that instance either i think what's interesting is i posed the question initially thinking there's no way i want that guy back on my program and by the end of it i was like no i could use some magic juice to come back and give us 50 points a game that'd be nice heading into the big 12 um i will say this a familiarity with him and several big 12 coaches he did not leave the big 12 very long ago um his last season in the big 12 was 2018 a lot of other coaches i guess not ut austin or tcu but a lot of coaches across the conference are kind of in the same spot in from 2018 right um uh i guess as i say that i was thinking like oklahoma just recently changed um they're only in the conference for a year though so screw them um i i think what's interesting there though is that like he would come in and immediately knock on every quarterback recruits door and say listen i coach pat I coach Kyler. I think you've got what it takes. If he did, right? And be able to bring, and you think with Lure, any high caliber quarterback to run this Holgerson Kingsbury air raid system. And I'd be interested to see the kind of kids he could get to bring in after having gotten to coach those guys um, in the past. And, and, you know, now we know who Patrick Mahomes is in a different way than we did back when they were at Tech together. Um, or, you know, now we've seen, I mean, things fell apart in Arizona, but like, that one year they start off like eight and one or something crazy in Arizona. Right. And uh, Kyler was looking crazy and they had just brought in uh, Deandre Hopkins and all those things were going really, really well. The big like game winner right over uh, Buffalo that year, that would be a crazy kind of um, turn of events to bring him back full circle to admittedly it'd probably be just a short lived couple seasons to ha- come back in as the OC, get his reputation back up and then go be a head coach somewhere else. But I wonder what the deal would be there. The big thing I think that people would say against this and what I initially thought is that, you know, he mentioned like 
about a year ago, I think that's actually just under a year ago, that he would never go back to college coaching, right? That was not going to be his goal. But then the last season happened, and I don't know how many options he's going to have, right? Like, what are the things are you going to hire Cliff to do? Would a pro team really hire him to come in and be their OC? Because there's a whole Sean McVay, Shanahan tree of guys that are kind of getting those, like, young dude jobs, right? So Kingsbury's not quite in that family tree of coaches either. Um, but also, <laughs> you you kind of want the guy that went 11-6 and six and came in second in the NFC West, because the NFC West that year had the uh, Super Bowl champion, uh, like a soon, like, year later, Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. Or, uh, no, that year, L.A. Rams. They also had the uh, San Francisco 49ers, who like had just been in the NFC Championship game the year before, the same exact NFC West, and he came in second in that. Russell Wilson, I guess, is also in the Pacific Northwest along the way there. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty strong team. Um, I, I wonder, um, as I look at this, how much... So, again, he worked with Keenum. He worked with Mahomes. He worked with Kyler Murray. My worry would be, in this initial season, right? he's going to have Lucas Coley or Donovan Smith. And those guys, I think, are very talented athletes. I'm excited to see the kind of I love running quarterbacks. I'm excited to see the kind of things I've seen out of the highlights of Donovan Smith. I'm excited to see what that looks like in a Houston Cougar uniform. But that's not I mean, Kyler and Patrick are super mobile, and I would say Case Keenum and what's the classic? You say it's short white guys deceptively, yeah, deceptively athletic, right? Um, I would be interested to see what he does, the guy who's biggest weapon at tech appeared to be his legs right i think donovan smith has an underrated arm but i do think his biggest weapon is still his legs and i wonder what it looks like when that's the guy running a air raid offense we're gonna see it with dana anyway i think dana and his experience and he's a little bit older is probably more likely to be flexible with what he does than um bringing in cliff and finding a new guy i will say with the new transfer portal in the modern college football world though like they could find a new guy pretty fast uh, if they needed to. Um, I'm saying all this. This is never going to happen, right? He's Cliff Kingsbury. I'm, I'm getting excited to talk myself into this. I was not like legitimately hours ago when I put, I mean, it's been what 12 hours since I put on Twitter. This was not the mode. I was not favor of it. What he's going to go do, he's going to go get on like classic coaches career rehab tour and sit on Nick Saban's sideline for a year and then he'll get a new job. Seems to be what Bill O'Brien, it seems to be what everyone does. Right. Um, but Suffice it to say, after thinking it through, I am far more intrigued. And we'll see what happens because I'd love to be doing 600 yards of offense and 49.3 points per game going into the Big 12 next season. That would make defense a lot easier. Anyway, speaking of making things easier, if you are looking for a delicious treat to get into uh, your New Year's resolution, let me recommend Built Bar. Now, Built Bar is... uh, all the taste, all the chocolate, all the flavor, and none of the fat and calories. You've got to find Built Bars. Uh, when you get through the holiday, I know like my goal is always after the holidays, eat a little bit healthier. Uh, if you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, I have just a thing for you. You want to try Built. Built is a healthy and actually tasty. Uh, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that's right, real chocolate. They come in flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, I don't know how Built really does. I don't know what the stuff is on the inside, but it tastes like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. 
only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein in each bar. You don't need to wait around and get a box for years. Been talking about ordering built bars at built.com, but now you can go get them at your, your local Walmart or Sam's club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart, walk by the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, cocoa puffs, etc. If you are at Sam's club, you can run and grab a 13 bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. Trust me. Thank me later. If you're looking for my personal recommendation. I think the coconut almond tastes like an almond joy, and that's at my alley. And if you like almond joys, that one's going to be up yours. So go check out Built Bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club today. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. So in our second segment, I don't know that it necessarily requires having Cliff Kingsbury as the OC, but TCU has done something interesting here. And so it sounds weird to talk about them in a positive light if they just got rocked on national television in the national championship game. But they do kind of outline an interesting strategy. Work with me here. A team that was in Conference USA in the odds. That kind of builds a little bit of a program and has some momentum and has some good players come through that make in the NFL and then kind of gets in a next level up uh, conference, right? Just like one step up, not quite a power five, but then does pretty well in that up until the last year in the conference. Last year in the conference didn't go so great, but then they move in the Big 12 and take a year or two to kind of get adjusted and then they start winning the Big 12. And then sure enough, they start, you know, being on the edge of the college football playoff. And then they get the national championship game. That's what TCU did. But somewhere in the mix there, you thought I was talking about the Houston Cougars too, right? And I think what's interesting here is in looking at this um, across the board here. And if you go back to 2001 for TCU, when Gary Patterson shows up, they go six and six in Conference USA, right? 10 and two, 11 and two. um, And then they dip in 2004 before jumping to the uh, Midwest Conference in the Midwest Conference in uh, 2005, um, if you look at Houston, uh, when Sumlin shows up in 08, uh, they go eight and five, ten and four, five and seven, thirteen and one, right? Not the exact same order, but not horribly far off as far as your last four years in Conference USA go. Um, and frankly, the deal there was Sumlin goes thirteen and one, gets a big time job. That doesn't happen to Gary Patterson. But then in uh, 2012, Houston's last year in Conference USA, they go five and seven. Kind of a similar dip to what happened in the last year TCU was in Conference USA. Um, You know, I guess the big difference here would be six of the seven seasons that TCU was in the Midwest Conference. They had 11 or more wins. Um, They finished in the top 12 of the AP poll. That's why that's important in a second by my count um three times in their seven seasons in the Midwest Conference. Um Houston in the American has not been that successful 
as a whole. Although to be fair, they've also spent um, more time, right? They spent more than seven seasons in the American conference. So there's going to be some down years in there as well. Um, for instance, uh, in like 2005, their first season in the conference, they went 11 to one official 11 to people in Houston's first year in the American conference. They went eight and five. I'm sorry. They won a uh, TC one 11 to Houston one eight and five. Um, and TCU finished the year in 11 to eight people. Houston lost in the BBVA compass bowl to Vanderbilt, right? Like, you know, just a little bit different feel, but on the whole across the time here, like Houston has a couple of different, you know, a 13 win season, a 12 win season, a nine win season um, where they had to like replace the coach in the bowl game. Like, those things happen in Houston too. What's interesting to me is in projecting what happens to Houston in the Big 12. And TCU's first season in the Big 12, they went seven and six and lost the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl to Michigan State with a kid named Le'Veon Bell. He's pretty freaking good, right? In their second season in the Big 12, they went four and eight. I think Houston set up to do better than that in their first two years in the Big 12. Knock on wood. But I think Houston will do better than that. In their third season, the Big 12, TCU went 12-1, and destroyed Ole Miss in a Peach Bowl, and finished third place in the AP. Are you telling me there's a chance Houston's only three years away from finishing third place overall in the AP poll? Because in the modern system, that's a playoff spot, right? Now, admittedly, um, the college football playoff operates in a very different sphere and all those kinds of things, but I do think Houston could be three years away. In the sense that, like, they just signed MHP, right? Uh, Mikhail Harrison uh, Pilot is that kind of a game changer. The year before, they just signed Matthew Golden, right? Um, if you're a quarterback and you want to come slinging around, why wouldn't you go to the third ward and swing it to those guys? Meanwhile, in the time building between now and then, we're going to have Donovan Smith and Lucas Coley fight it out, right? Um, but, man, with two wideouts like that, why wouldn't you want to come slinging around, right? Um not to mention we have Alton McCaskill in the backfield coming back, hopefully healthy and hundred percent, right? As, a, as an all-star caliber running back coming in and making plays at the backfield. I would not be surprised if Houston was big 12 ready and good in three years. And that's kind of what TCU did. And TCU when they got ready was really ready, right? Um, 2015, they're 11 and two TCU is 11 and two co-Big 12 champ. That's their fourth year in the conference. They're a co-conference champion. This is back when the Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game. Um, Ultimately, not having a conference championship game actually hurt TCU. That's the first year of the uh, college football playoff. Uh, (laughs) So not having a conference championship game means that they don't get to go because they don't get to play in the last week. And they and Baylor both were like, oh, we should go, we should go. And then they went, right? But that did mean that they got to go beat Oregon in the Alamo Bowl and finish seventh place overall. Again, seventh place overall would put them in the top 12. You know? Um, they did go on to play Georgia at the Liberty Bowl. They did, had a dip a little bit in 2016, went 6-7. 11-3, uh, they beat Stanford uh, in 2017 in their bowl game uh, and finished ninth. And then uh, kind of some up and down years, they went like down for a couple of 7-6, 5-7, 6-4. Seven, six, and six, and Again, it happens to everyone. Uh, five and seven, Gary, Gary Patterson this year went 13 and I guess two, and then got to national, cha- uh, including a national championship game lost with head coach, Sonny Dykes. Um, so I say, I'll say before going to my third segment, like if you were to tell me that Houston doesn't have to be better than 
seven and six and four and eight and those kind of stuff in their first two years, whatever order you want to put them in, Houston will do that. I feel very confident Houston will do that. So in our third segment, we're going to talk about some um, similarities and differences between their programs to that point. Because if you look at the programs to that point, um, I think what's interesting is that, uh, A, both teams, TCU and Houston, kind of had a uh, like dip right before leaving the conference they were in, both between Conference USA and that like middle tier. There's in the Midwest. Ours was the American. Um, and then a dip between leaving said conference and the Big 12, right? Um, what's similar about that to me is that the, that seems to indicate like, you could have said about both teams, like, are they really ready for the smoke in the new conference a couple of times? And while they might not have been ready initially, they certainly were very quickly, right? And so I feel confident like Houston can get there as well. Um, I also think it's weirdly unique that they both start off in Conference USA. Maybe that tells, tells us something about um, Conference USA as a whole. Uh, and they kind of had this like in-between group of five conference, you know, on the way. Um both teams are similar in that they probably get pulled in the Big 12 entirely because they're intergreening hotbeds. Um, they're not the kind of money-making programs, uh, and at least not initially, that the Texases or the Oklahomas or the Blue Bloods of the world are. But they're a team, and currently the only team in the Big 12, in Houston or the DFW Metroplex. Houston and the DFW Metroplex Supply the entire conference with athletes in every sport, <laughs> right? Like the goal of this was let's get a team in Fort Worth or DFW. They did that with TCU. The goal of this current move is they need a school in Houston to get Houston kids. Well, if you look at that transfer portal and look at what Sonny Dykes is doing at Fort Worth, he's going out and getting a top rated tackle named Brockemeyer from Alabama to come back home. They're keeping Dallas kids and getting them to move across that Metroplex, which I think is like an hour, hour and change across, right? They're getting kids to move across the Metroplex up there to come out to Fort Worth and play big time college football. Cause SMU is not in the big 12, right? Um, they're keeping those kids there in a way that Houston is going to as well, right? They're keeping kids home. Um, I guess Mikhail Harrison pilot is not from Houston, but his dad and stepmom played their sport, respective college at sports there, and it's felt like home. He's mentioned since he came on his first trip in the eighth grade, like this is home for him. Matthew Golden stayed home, right? Like, like these kinds of things happen here too. And so continue to build that. I think it's a big, big reason that a Houston has a shot at success in the big 12, but B it's what worked for TCU for sure. And kind of backfired in the conference, right? You think of bringing the school that's not a blue blood school in a recruiting hotbed, and then they just keep their kids and win the conference, right? Like, ooh, that's not the look you wanted. Um, they both, to be fair, in their most recent coaching hire, um, SMU's being very recent, but Houston's not being so, so old, stole their coaches from like-minded schools, right? TCU went and got Sonny Dykes from rival SMU because they saw kind of what he was building at SMU and said, they're not going to pay him what we can pay him with their Big 12 money. And they got him. Houston... Saw Dana Holgerson at West Virginia, Big 12 program, says we want to build ourselves into a Power 5 program. Let's go get that guy. And they did, right? Familiar face, right? He came through as an OC about a decade prior, but they went and got that guy. And I think the similarities, you know, kind of stopped there, 
but only because we're not into the first, you know, TCU has been in the Big 12 since the 2012 season. That's 10 years in the conference. Um, I don't think it will take 12 years for Houston to be at the same kind of competitive level if they do it right as TCU is currently. Um, but they've got a 10-year head start for sure, right? Um, differences in the two, and this a little darker. Um, the up until Sunny Dykes, which just happened last offseason, which I guess technically is a year ago as we're listening to this at this point. Um, the whole thing was under Gary Patterson, right? And Gary Patterson, I guess, is currently on staff at UT Austin and kind of had an ugly exodus from TCU when it finally all fell apart. Um, some off the field ugliness too, that I don't need to get into. You can go look up, but it was not pretty. Um, but they had one orchestrator over the whole thing that watched the growth built built it in the right direction, had the vision, et cetera. Houston has had a handful of their coaches kind of yanked out from under them. Uh, Sumlin, who had the initial success in you know, Conference USA, got the big payday at A&M, right? We, we weren't in a position to offer more money than they did back then, right? Um, Tony Levine did the best he could, but then Houston got Tom Herman. That was a big move for us, and less than two years later, he's gone, right? We thought Major Rappaway was kind of the guy, he wasn't kind of the guy, so we go get Dana, right? That inconsistency in that roller coaster of sorts, while the wins and losses roller coaster feels similar in a lot of ways, the coaching carousel roller coaster is not. And I do think the difference matters. I don't think Dana has a bad vision. He talks about having good facilities and those kinds of things. And frankly, while he is no frills, and uh, you know, I wish he was a little friendlier to talk to sometimes. And there's the occasional question I have about well, why'd you call this here? Why'd you call that there? He does have a vision, I think. Um, his vision is just more nonchalant than I think some of us would be. Um, TCU, to their credit as a program, built both offensively and defensively. And while Houston has like a great defensive line and kind of has built this you know, mentality of having a great defensive line year in, year out, and it's a couple of pro corners right now, and Marcus Jones, right? Um, uh, I it's a school that's always built offense for whatever reason. Houston has been an offensive school for what feels like my whole life. And beforehand, Andre, White. like, like I, I just, I look at it and think, okay, this is a school that is always going to have offensive, always going to be find a way to score points. Um, TCU has been much more balanced over the course of their 20 year build to this point. Um, and so I, I think those two differences being a balanced approach probably does tie in having the same guy in charge the whole time. It's in his vision. Um, it's just unique to me that Houston, regardless of who's in charge, has been offensively focused. I said I'd like to say that, like, realistically, you could end up with Houston playing for a national title because, and it, I'm not saying it takes a year or two, but I also don't think it takes 10. TCU was in the top 12 early on in their tenure in the Big 12 and kind of built this program that was in the top three over the course of like the last couple of years. But early on in their tenure in the Big 12 was in the top 10, 11, 12 spots in the country. And we're looking at an expanded playoff picture in the very near future, right? And so like Houston doesn't have to be the third best team in the country at the end of November to get into the playoff picture. And once you're in the playoff picture... Um, bluntly, anything can happen. It's one game samples, man. Like, I guess one through four does get a buy, but there's no reason that like your quarterback didn't just have a great off a great day on offense, right? Again, we talked about Click King for the top of the episode. 
There was a year where Houston was putting up 600 yards on offense. I don't care who your defense is. When you show up to see that kind of a speed and team it in person, it's going to be different. Your scout team is man. It's going to be different. Um, and so Houston continued to build this in that direction. I'm interested to see how it goes. And Houston gets that 10 spot, gets in the playoff, has a good year. That entices some recruits. We know recruits come faster because the way the transfer portal works these days. Suddenly the next year, they're winning the Big 12 and into the sixth spot. And suddenly the next year, they win the Big 12 by a lot and then the fourth spot. Like All of a sudden, this thing can turn around really, really fast. I'm not predicting any of that happening the first year or two. Again, it didn't happen the first year or two for TCU. But I think it can happen quickly. I think TCU is evidence that it can. And I'm happy to talk more about it on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to. So make sure you find me at Painsworth512. It's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 and all the social media handles. We have to talk all things Cougs, football, basketball. I guess we're about to turn around and start baseball and those kinds of things as well. We can also talk rockets as they implode or the Astros and like glowed about the World Series. I don't want to talk about the Texans and firing Lovey, but if you'd like to, I guess we can try and talk about that as well. I got sneaker. We can talk about sneakers. I'd like to talk about that more than the Texans for sure. So make sure you find me at Painsworth512 to talk all things Houston sports. Thank you all so much for making us your first listen of the day. I guess in light of the uh, celebration of winning the College Football National Championship, I should probably recommend that your second lesson, second listen be locked on Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, go check them out <laughs> wherever you get your podcast for your second lesson of the day. I'm sure they're having a fun time over there after it was a wild championship game and run over the course of two years. Uh, we'll see what car dealership Stetson Bennett ends up owning one day. Thank you all so much for tuning in the show today. Locked on Cougs, the primary Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Cougs!